Madden? Like football? Yeah. A video game? Yeah. Like the video game. They don't they don't like it. They don't think it's a video game? No, they, they said it's not a video game. Not in the oh, traditional yeah? sense. I, I don't know. I, I know that it's popular. That would be more my, um, if I was a video gamer, um, Madden would be something that I would be definitely interested in right. getting good at. Number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a CAM bus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I mean, I'm going to put a plug in because I think we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telford, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Tom Brands would be a fan of Madden, the video game. Um, you guys will hear this when we lay down the interview track, but we were talking with Tony and Spencer this week. Um, not a ton of revealing stuff, but every time we do get together with those guys, I enjoy bantering with them about um, video games because that's kind of their thing. Um, not a huge video gamer myself. Grew up on Pokemon and Super Smash Brothers, And then when I got to college, obviously Madden was the game of choice. Um, so it's just, you know, they're, they're like gamers, gamers, like, you know, Fortnite, Call of Duty, and, and then Spencer plays all sorts of, um, super, um, you know, first person, just real like video gamer games, right? If that makes sense, it probably doesn't, but just, um, there's a whole other world of video games that Spencer just likes to dive into and, and he kind of alludes to it every now and again. And he did again this week and, didn't go into too much depth. I would love to have a video gaming conversation with him. I even asked him afterward, like, hey, like, give me a list of games that I need to look up so that we can have like a full-fledged conversation about this. Um, and then after they talked, Tom Brands came to the podium and we uh, asked him about Madden because um, that was kind of how that conversation ended and, and started with Tom. And then, then we actually talked some wrestling which is what we do on this podcast. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. Um, Cody Goodwin here, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you're here as well. Happy Friday, January 6th. Been a while since we last talked, just a combination of holiday time off, um, unpaid time off because of furloughs, because of Gannett, um, just kind of a choppy podcast schedule the last couple weeks, but we're back in the saddle this week, finally able to get a show up today. Uh, busy, busy weekend of wrestling coming, right? Got the uh, all three D1 teams are in action. Northern Iowa actually already wrestled on Thursday, January 5th. We'll touch on that. Um, got some uh, got some high school wrestling stuff. Got some other non-D1 wrestling college stuff coming up this weekend as well. NWCA multi-divisional national duels going on in Kentucky. So that's D2, D3, NAIA, um, women's NCAA and NAIA national duels all going on going to keep track of all the Iowa teams that are out there they're all expected to do fairly well um combination of just some ragtag thoughts and interviews um guest plans fell through this week and also just kind of a weird week in general just coming back off the new year um but wanted to get a show up wanted to get back and connect with you guys we had a mailbag this week had a commitment this week um and we're gonna have a lot of wrestling coverage this coming weekend wanted to start first um, with what we saw on Thursday, right? Um, you and I wrestled Wyoming. 
They punked Wyoming 33-3. First home duel at the McLeod Center this season for Northern Iowa. They're now 3-1 overall, went 2-1 at the collegiate duels, and then they popped the Cowboys, won 9-10 matches. Nothing super spectacular. Kyle Biscoglia, Parker Keck guys, and both had pins. Derek Holschlag had a really nice win at 157 over Jacob Wright, scored a takedown, very patient on the edge there in the third period. Um, When I say patient, he was in on the shot for about a minute. Able to finish on the edge there, get a 4-3 win. Um, workmanlike performance from the Panthers. I wish there was a little bit more to talk about with them. Um, but Wyoming struggling this year. Um, Cowboys are sticking around. They're going to wrestle Iowa State on Saturday. Don't know that I'm going to be in the building for that one. But I will be in the building for Iowa State's Sunday duel. They got Arizona State coming to town. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But Northern Iowa, um, they look good, man. Like It was a very workmanlike performance. Um, you know, I was watching it while at the Linmar Iowa City High Duel last night. Um, so maybe a little distracted for, but what I saw, you know, um, they took care of business, right? They outscored them total takedown 17 to two. Um, you know, uh, I think what they won four matches by three points or less, um, won a couple more by four points. Um, so nothing super crazy, you know, 33 to three is really lopsided. Um, that's generally how it felt. Um, it was also Doug Schwab's 100th career victory as Northern Iowa's head coach, which I think is pretty cool. Um, he's the fourth Panther wrestling coach to hit hundred career wins, uh, joins Chuck Patton, who's got 218, Don Briggs, who's got 163 and then Dave McCusky, who's got 102. So, um, really cool deal. Um, wanted to write this, but didn't write it. So I'm gonna say it on the podcast, um, on a night when Doug Schwab recorded his 100th career victory, it kind of felt like Northern Iowa won by a hundred points. Um, they obviously didn't, they only won by 30, but that's quite a lot in the, uh, wrestling dual meet realm. I thought, you know, I, overall, I thought they looked good, right? Like Kyle Goldhofer got a win, scored a couple takedowns, looked good. Um, Kyle Biscaglia, um, did what he does on top, flipped his guy for a pin. Kale Happel, pretty tough match against Job Greenwood at 41, um, scored a couple takedowns. Greenwood, I think, got a takedown wiped off the board in the first period. Who knows how that match goes if that sticks. Um, then Greenwood did a good job on top. Um, Colin Realbuto looked really, really good at 49. Um, you know, 10-3 win. Uh, would have liked to have seen him convert to uh, get the major decision, but um, it's really nice to kind of see him open up on offense. Talked about Holschlag, um, 65, Yant kind of did his thing. Carson Babcock stepped in at 174, lost to Hayden Hastings 4-3, uh, made a late charge. Uh, he was down 4-0 early, but made a late charge, uh, takedown, uh, racked up a couple stall calls in the third period. Um, so he made it close. Um, Keck Eisen did his thing. Noel Glazier looked really good against Keon Short, um, and then Tyrell Gordon closed it down. So... Um, I wish there was more to say. There's really not a lot to say. The Panthers kind of went in and, and did what they do and, and did what they were supposed to do, I suppose, against a, an outmanned Wyoming team. And uh, they're back in action on Sunday. They've got Mizzou coming up. Um, I say coming up. They're actually going down to Columbia to wrestle the Tigers. So uh, maybe we'll learn a little bit more from that duel. I'm hopeful that we do. Mizzou's pretty good this year, right? Top five team. Um, but a lot of interesting matchups there. Um, you know, hopefully Mizzou is back healthy. I know they didn't send all their A guys to the Southern Scuffle, so could see Austin Yant versus Keegan O'Toole. Um, Goldhofer will get his hands on Noah Certain, 41, Alan Hart, Kale Happel. Um, a lot of interesting matchups there, right? Um, maybe, maybe, I'm, I, maybe I'm, I might be kind of manifesting this thought, but, um, you know, Doug has talked, um, with me and with others about, you know, how to utilize the freshmen, um, you know, and I'm thinking specifically Wyatt Volker, 
197. He's got a couple dates left in order to maintain his red shirt. And, you know, if you really want to see how good this kid is, right, he already wrestled Jacob Warner at the Soldier's Salute, um, could get his hands on Rocky Jordan, potentially. Um, you know, we'll see ultimately what Doug decides to go with, but I think that could be an interesting little test for for Volker. And if not, um, good test for Glacier or, uh, um, you know, Caleb Runyon as well, who was also listed on the Probables for Thursday night's duel. So, yeah. Um, and also wanted to... Uh, Wanted to make note of this as well. Um, McLeod Center hosting all of you and I's wrestling duels this year. I know people feel certain types of way about it. I know I feel certain types of way about it because I love the West Gym. Official announced attendance, 2,346. The official capacity of the West Gym is 2,100. So already, one for one at the McLeod Center, you and I bringing in more fans. I think that's a good thing. I'd like to see them hover you know, somewhere around the 3,000, 4,000 mark for the rest of the year. I know that their home schedule is a little bit hit and miss because it was late scheduling and, um, you know, but they got some fun opponents coming later this season, right? I know both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are going to come up to Iowa and they're going to circle through Cedar Falls and Ames. Um, you know, they're going to host Iowa State again. So there's, there's, I think there's potential to have some really, really good crowds in Cedar Falls. Uh, but wanted to make note of that, thought that detail was very interesting, um, that, hey, first first duel at McLeod Center. I know people love the West Gym, but, um, hey, good crowd there. Good crowd there on Thursday night. Um, I was in Marion on Thursday, was watching the flow stream of you and I, but I was, at, I was in Marion. I was at Limar High School watching the second matchup between Gabe Arnold and Tate Noctiborn, a couple of top five national wrestlers at 182 pounds. Um, it's not rare that Iowa has, you know, highly credentialed nationally ranked wrestlers at the same weight in a given season. Um, But it is always a treat when those guys cross paths. And one of the fun subplots, I think, of the 22-23 high school season is the Gabe Arnold, Tate Noctaborn kind of series, right? Um, You know, you got two guys who are ranked top five nationally, right? Gabe Arnold, number three, Tate Noctaborn, number five, according to Matt Scouts. And they are literally wrestling for schools that are separated by 20 miles. Tate for Linmar, Gabe for Iowa City High. Um, they're 1-2 in Class 3A. I think we're all kind of presuming that so long as they take care of business, that will be the state final in February. But on top of that, they're going to wrestle each other quite a bit, right? They wrestled each other in the semifinals of the Dan Gable Donnybrook last month. They met last night in the duel. They will presumably see each other. Um, at the MVC Conference Championships later this month, and then obviously the state championships next month at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines. I have made it a point, um, and I told both guys this, as well as their families, that as long as they continue to wrestle, I plan to be in the building because that kind of high-level wrestling is just really fun. Um, you know, and it's really just kind of fun to watch. You know, the first matchup, it's like, okay, what do these guys got, right? And and Gabe won at the Donnybrook 8-3 to um, you know, I Noctaborn came out a lot more aggressive, was taking ground and, and Gabe made him pay with some pretty slick counter wrestling and, and some shucks and, um, you know, was kind of ready for the, for the aggression last night. Um, Gabe won again, it was three to one scored a takedown in the first period, but it was, it was kind of different, right? Gabe, Gabe was the one that was kind of taking more ground, um, you know, dictated the pace quite a bit and it was, you know, lower scoring. Um, but both guys that, you know, both guys were in and had opportunities to score more. Um, 
you know, the second period Tate was in on a shot um, near the edge, wasn't able to finish, um, you know, maybe a, he actually, so he took Gabe to the edge and he's got length, right? Um, Tate does. And so he, you know, he had control at one point of Gabe's uh, left leg. He had it, he had that secured and then he used his length to reach around and grab Gabe's right foot. Um, I think there are refs out there that would have awarded that two points. He still had both feet in bounds. Um, I've got the video clip. I will probably post it because it was pretty incredible. It was an incredible sequence and it also happened right in front of me. So I got really good video of it. Um, so, you know, Hey, um, interesting sequence there in the third period, Gabe was in deep on a double and somehow Tate wiggled his way out of it and did not allow any points. So like three, one low scoring, but it was just a totally different chess match, which I think is one of the main reasons, um, that I want to be in the building for each time these guys wrestle. And that it just makes it a lot of fun. You know, what did they learn from the first time? Um, was able to talk to both guys before and after, um, what did they learn from the second one? What does that mean for the next match? Um, you know, I, they're guaranteed. I say guaranteed, you know, here's hoping they all stay healthy. Um, Four matchups, right? Like assuming everything holds serve, right? But there's also the possibility of like, you know, state duels, um, you know, or regional duels, depending on how those ultimately shake out. So I, you know, just what do these matchups look like? Um, you know, these are two future division one stars, right? I mean, that kind of adds to it, right? Cause Tate is going to go to Iowa state and Gabe's going to go to Iowa. So there's that little mini Cyhawk thing about it. Um, and it's just really fun, high level wrestling. And I think during the high school season, we don't take advantage of seeing enough of that. And I personally love it. And so, you know, MVC championships are at the end of the month. I plan on being in the building for that one. So long as those two guys stay healthy and, and continue to wrestle and, and, you know, we'll meet each other in the finals there. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Linmar ultimately won the duel 49, 21, uh, won nine of 14 weights. They scored seven pins. Um, also wanted to make note that um, the Gabe Arnold Tate Noctaborn matchup was not the only high profile matchup in that duel. Um, at 132 pounds, Kale Kurtz from City High rallied to beat Braden Park of Linmar. Uh, final score there was six to three. Park scored an early takedown for a 2-0 lead, and then Kale Kurtz came back. Second period locked up a cradle for two and two, so that gave him the lead. And then in the third period, Kale scored another to ice it. Um, so that was a top four matchup, right? Curl, uh, Kale Kurtz was ranked fourth going in. Park was ranked third. Um, imagine they'll probably just flip-flop in the in the next set of rankings, but we'll see what happens with the rest of the weight. 132 kind of quietly becoming a really interesting weight because you've got, you know, Bettendorf's Jace Luna, uh, Waukee Northwest, Carter Freeman. I know I'm probably forgetting a couple other guys there because um, – you know, that's I, I think that's part of what makes it fun, right? I'm here looking this up while I'm talking because this is really good podcasting. But yeah, just I think it's going to be one of those weights that, you know, hey, how does this shake out when we get to February? Um, will some of these guys see each other again? Um, you know, we talked about Gabe and Tate at the MVC. Uh, safe to say that Park and Kurtz will probably meet again. That last night's meeting, I looked this up, their fourth meeting in the last year. So, you know, they're going to see each other again. Um Linmar and City are not in the same district, but hey, that's, you know, um, other guys at this weight, Logan Trenary at Southeast Polk. I knew I was missing at least one, uh, but then you got Zane Barons, John King, um, you know, some other guys at that weight who I think could make some noise, but, you know, definitively top five, a um, lot of talent there, a lot of really good wrestlers. So we'll kind of see how that weight shakes out. Um, wanted to make sure I made mention of that from last night's duel. I didn't just drive all the way to Marion for one match. Um, you know, I... 
I got I got a couple good matches out of there. So yeah, Linmar won the duel. Um, Gabe Arnold won the the big time matchup. We were able to talk to Gabe afterwards. So um, you know I've been rambling here for about 15 minutes, starting with Madden and then um, you know talking about you and I, and now here about Linmar in City. Uh, but wanted to lay down um, some interview. Some interview sound bites, um, the first of many on today's show. First with Gabe Arnold, um, got to talk with him afterwards. Just you know, what made the difference in last night's match? How did it compare to the matchup before? Kind of what he learned overall. Um, he's always a great interview. So we'll go to that now, and then we'll circle back um, and talk about uh, the wrestling coming up this weekend. So here's Gabe Arnold. Uh, you know, big win. Um, second win over Nakaborn, you know, uh, how big was that to, to come out on top? I mean, I think not necessarily the win was big to me. I think coming here in his home, his high school, his senior year, you know, doing what I did and, you know, controlling the match and you know, just getting the win, you know, doing that, that was what was big to me, you know, and just... Looking at that match, you know, there's things that still need to be worked on, you know, because I still want to widen that gap. You know, first time we wrestled, it was 8-3. You know, this time we wrestled, it was 3-1. So there's work to do, you know. And there's a little bit of a gap that I got to go back and I got to figure out what the heck that gap was, you know. And it was a little, the match was a little bit frustrating. You know, I felt times where I could have scored more, you know, or maybe he was out of position, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, it's back to the drawing board now and just widening that gap. You know, we got two more times that we have to wrestle each other. Two more times. Well, None of them are guaranteed, but more than likely we have two more times that we're going to wrestle each other, mm-hmm. you know, districts and state finals probably. So, you know, it's it's back to the drawing board. You know, he's going to be ready. I'm going to be ready, ready. You, know, so. uh, you were able to get Tink on short time. Short time points are so crucial, especially in, you know, uh, competitive matches. What were you able to see there? What, what were you able to capitalize? It looked like you hit a little bit of a pick there on the edge. Yeah, um, I, I mean, since I was got, gotten to this high level, you know, scoring at the end of matches has always been huge. You know, I've been wrestling nationally ranked guys since I was a freshman in high school at 14 years old, you know. Mm-hmm. So getting those huge points at the end of periods, it's, it's huge. You know, it, it changes. It completely changes the landslide, the landscape of a match. You know, if I'm up to nothing, you know, let's say we're, we're in a position that me and Tate were in. You know, I get that takedown with five seconds left you know all I really got to do is sit there and slap on a ride for you know maybe three seconds because you know finish secure the takedown you know get get the boots hooked in you know whatever you know getting getting them down keeping them down on the mat you know so I mean points like that are huge like I'm going into a period up to nothing you know whether I choose bottom and don't get out you know or if he chooses bottom and gets out you know I, I'm still up you know now I'm up two to one or now I'm going into the third period still up two to nothing you know so those points at the ends of matches are huge and I think, you know, in that position, it was just about knowing what, how much time I had left, you know, and it was just capitalizing on it. You know, I sat there with that hook, and I was like, all right, like, I feel it. I'm going to go for it. So, you know, I got to it, got the takedown, stayed patient with the finish. You know, Tate's a super scrambly guy, and I knew that coming in. knew that the first time we wrestled. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was about getting that takedown and making sure I got that takedown, you know, so. Awesome. What did you feel was the biggest difference this time around? Biggest difference, I think I was a little bit more active. You know, I think I I shot a lot more. I hand fought him a lot more. I got to feel a lot more of what, you know, he does a little bit. You know, I think that was good because now, uh, now I have a memory now. And with me, my wrestling is like, all right, if I wrestle you once, I have this picture of what's going on. I kind of have this picture of what you're going to do. You know, the first match, we didn't get into a lot of wrestling positions. I, personally, I don't think. But I think this match, we got into a lot of wrestling positions, you know. So I think now... I have that photographic memory that I can just sit down and kind of just, you know, when I'm wrestling with another guy or I'm wrestling, you know, in practice at City High or HWC, whatever the case may be, you know, I can 
I'm wrestling with this guy and like I'm filling out this position in my head and I'm like, all right, this is what I kind of felt. Now I need to do this to figure out this to get this takedown so I can score more points. You know, so I think that really that's that's what that's all that match really came down to was just like people will say it came down to that one point, that one takedown. I'm like, no, it didn't. It was well, everything. Yeah, the second period, you yeah. know, he's close to a takedown on the edge. You know, exactly. and the same thing in the third, you're close to another takedown. Yeah, you know, so I mean people say that it came down to one position, like, no, it didn't. You know, there was there was no way in hell that match came down to one position. You know, we both were on the attack. Um, I think me more than him. I think the first match he maybe was a little bit more on the attack, but I think me, I made sure that I was the aggressor and I made sure that it was known that I was the aggressor and I was wanting to score points. And uh, you know, that was my goal coming into the match, you know. I wanted to widen the gap, you know, didn't happen. Was what it was, it was a close match, you know, by score, but to me, I wasn't in danger, you know. Yeah, he got to that that, that shot at the end of the second period, but he got to that same shot in the first match and couldn't score it. You know, he got to the same position, me sitting in splits. I mean, honestly, he was in a better position the first match than he was in the second match. You know, there was just, you know, to me, I take pride in my takedown defense. You know, I take pride in my takedown offense, you know, and me not getting that takedown, I was like, God damn it. Like, what the heck? I was super mad at myself and I'm like, we're still in the match. There's still like 40 some seconds left to go. So I got to recompose, get the win. You know, and that's what I did. And, you know, when he got to that takedown, you know, I just, the crowd screaming, whatever, you know, I, this is his home at the end of the day. But, you know, I'm like in the back of my head, I'm like I'm not giving up this takedown. You know, I will blow out an ACL, an MCL, LCL, meniscus. Like, it does not matter. Like, I'll risk the whole, the whole shit day to not give up a takedown. So, you know, it's, I'm super prideful in it. And, you know, like I said, the score says one thing, but I felt like the match was another. So. Awesome stuff there from Gabe. Really great match between those two. May all of their matchups be equally as entertaining as their first couple have been. Okay, um, rest of today's show. Got some more interview sound coming from you guys um, from both Iowa and Iowa State. Um, we'll start with the Hawkeyes. They wrestle tonight. Um, they actually have a Friday-Sunday Big Ten doubleheader, but they open up tonight um, against Illinois and Iowa City. And then on Sunday, they head to West Lafayette to wrestle Purdue. So Big Ten action here in full force for the Hawkeyes. Um, just gonna, Hey man, like big 10 schedules tough. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, like in previous years, I feel like Iowa schedule, they kind of get to ease their way into the meat of the big 10, um, flipping through notes. You can probably hear that. So, you know, they open with Illinois, then Purdue, then they get Northwestern next week, then Nebraska, Wisconsin, pretty tough, uh, Friday, Sunday. And then they end the month with Penn state that will be in state college. So, um, then they come back in February with Minnesota, Michigan, and Oklahoma State. So no rest for the weary. Um, lots of tough wrestling coming up. I think the biggest thought I had about Iowa entering their Friday-Sunday doubleheader this week was that the full A-team is officially on the bout card. Um, and by full A-team, I mean the following, right? 125, Spencer Lee. Uh, 133, Brody Teske. 41, Real Woods. 49, Max Murin. 57, Kobe Siebrecht. 65, Patrick Kennedy. 74, Nelson Brands. Um, 84, Abasad. 97, Jacob Warner. 285, Tony Cassiope. That's kind of the lineup. Iowa, that's the A-team. That's that's the A-team. Uh, now that they're fully officially here, um, Quick asterisk there. I'll circle back to it. We can start to really judge whether or not this team, um, you know, do they have the firepower necessary to run down Penn State? 
um, if they do, what's the path look like? I think that's what the next month and a half is probably going to reveal to us. What what does the path look like for the Hawkeyes to potentially run it down? I, Penn State's going to be a tall mountain, right? They return four of their five NCAA finalists. They've got some pretty talented freshmen that I know they're inserting and easing their way into the lineup. Um you know, guys like Shane Van Ness in at 49, that allowed Bo Bartlett to go down to 41, where he's a little bit more um, dangerous, I think. Um, Levi Haynes sound, looks like he might be the guy at 57, although I think we'll see. Um, I know there's still the opportunity there for him to redshirt, so we'll see what Kale has in store there. Um, you know, and then on top of that, right, like Greg Kirkfleet uh, looks really good at heavyweight. So um, that's kind of the lens through which I will be covering this Iowa team. Um you know, what's that path look like? Does it exist? If it exists, what needs to happen for Iowa? I think it does exist. Um, you know, what ultimately it looks like and what the margins for error are, I think will really um, shape the path over the next month and a half. Um, wanted to circle back to the asterisks at 133 because um, Tom also listed Colin Shriver at 133 um, on the probable lineups for this weekend. Um, Brody has only wrestled one match. Um, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, um, I would guess that Colin will probably get one match, um, and Brody will get the other, uh, primarily because on Friday, Iowa wrestles Illinois and Illinois has a really, really good 133 pounder in Lucas Bird. So I don't know that we'll see Brody wrestle Friday. I think odds are we will probably see him wrestle Sunday against Dustin Norris from Purdue, um, just don't think that after one match and a long layoff because of health issues that Brody's going to come back and immediately wrestle an All-American. I think they'll let Colin go out and wrestle that. He's a lot warmer. He's wrestled more this season. He's 12-3. and three. Um, So maybe maybe another opportunity there for Colin Trever. Like, hey, man, if you really want to make a push for this spot, um, here it is, right? Like, go, go see what you got against Lucas Bird, who um, believe Colin wrestled him last year. I'm going to look that up while I continue to ramble. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of, a that's my thought process at least, right. They'll each get a match. Um, and I, I just, you know, I don't know that they're going to throw Brody to the wolves right away. Um, so that's just, again, gut, gut feeling, um, educated guess, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, looking at Colin's results, shout out Russell stat. Oops. I need to log in. I'm pretty sure he wrestled bird last year. Um, and Russell stat tells me that they did wrestle last year. It was 5-0, Lucas Bird won. Um, that was kind of that weird weekend. Iowa wrestled uh, Northwestern and Illinois, and DeSanto did not wrestle either of those matches. Colin Shriver wrestled them both. He wrestled Bird, and I believe that was Chris Cannon. So, yeah, um, you know, we'll see what we'll we'll see what ultimately the plan unfolds. I guess tonight, um, and then maybe that'll um, tell us more about what to expect on Sunday. Believe you can watch both of those duels on B1G Plus. Um, they have wrestling specific subscriptions. Um, you can also listen to it. Um, Steve Grace, Mark Ironside will be on the call. KXIC. I believe they also have a YouTube page where they're able to um, stream that audio. I will also be in Carver tonight, so follow along for some updates. Um, yeah, fun matchups to watch, I think, coming up in this uh, in this weekend for the Hawkeyes. Obviously, we circled 33, um, whether it's Brody Teske or Cole Retriever against Lucas Bird. Patrick Kennedy is also going to wrestle Dan Bronigal at 165. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that are like, why is he ranked 13th? Well, just because he hasn't, you know, his one shot to wrestle guys that are ranked higher than him was David Carr, and David Carr won the match. So, um, Bronigal, according to Intermat's rankings... Flipping through my notes here. This is great podcasting. Ranked 11th. So 
Patrick Kennedy ranked 13th. Opportunity for him to steadily climb the polls here. Um, believe he's going to have that more of those opportunities here as uh, as the Big Ten slate unfolds. Other matchups, curious to watch Nelson Brands against Ed Ruth. No, not that Ed Ruth, um, but a really talented Ed Ruth at 174. Um, then Jacob Warner's got Zach Bronigle at 197. This is still Iowa-Illinois matchups to watch. Um, Bronicles have wrestled really tough, man. Like they, they first off, they seem like two guys that have just been in the college game forever. Um, so you know they're experienced and they're veteran. But two, like they've just they've figured a lot of things out just positionally. They're not gonna blow people out of the water. Um, and now that I said that, they probably will start doing that. But just real tough wrestlers, so really excited to kind of see how Kennedy and Warner handle those matches. On Sunday against Purdue, um, Spencer League, it's uh, Matthew Ramos at 125. Um, Ramos has looked really, really impressive since he's made the drop from 33 down to 25. Um, so that'll be a fun little test for Spencer. Real Woods gets Parker Phileas, another one of those guys that seems like he's been around forever. Um, so experienced vet. Also going to be curious to see Real Woods um you know, he, he came to Iowa because he was looking forward to the Big Ten competition, right? So here it is. How does he handle it? Um, going to be fun to kind of, you know, monitor that over the next month and a half. Um, and then at 157 in the Iowa Purdue duel, Kobe Seabrecht against Kendall Coleman. Kendall Coleman, one of the top dudes at a weight that I think is still considered kind of wide open. Um you know, and Kobe has just looked tremendous this season. So another high level test. Um, let's see what he's got there. So that's kind of more or less what I'm looking for from the Hawkeyes this weekend. Um, just kind of the lens through which I will be covering them through the rest of the year. But then also, you know, some of the nitty gritty matchups that I'm looking forward to on Friday and Sunday. We're going to go to audio from them now. You heard Tom Brands at the top of the podcast. Um, got those interviews coming up next for you. You're going to start with Tony Cassiope, then to Spencer Lee, and then we'll end with Tom Brands. Um, not a ton of revealing information, but it was good conversation with those guys this week. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy. Tony on a pretty good roll with the falls. I mean, can you just kind of assess? I mean, how do you feel? How's everything going for you right now? Um, you know, I feel good. Wrestling good. Um, yeah, I mean, just you know, I've always been pretty good on top. Been having success on top against guys getting falls. Nine pins and eleven wins so far this year. When you when you have a tournament like. You had, um, you know, at Solar Salute last week. Do you, I, do you go in trying to work on specific things, or is it just get on and off the mat as quick as possible, or what's your approach that way? Um, I mean, it's just I'm going out there to wrestle, you know, how I wrestle. Um, you know, Tom had me cut the guys a few times, got some takedowns, you know, just working on my wrestling. But, I mean, it's a tournament. I'm going out there to wrestle and beat the other guy. I'm not like, you know, it doesn't matter the competition. I'm not going out there and saying – oh, this guy's maybe not as good or, you know, I should be able to pin this guy, so I'm going to go out there and work on this. No, I mean, it's wrestling and everybody's game, so. This is probably getting a little picky, but do you ever think about endurance, I mean, and, and yearn for a seven-minute match again? Oh, I mean, I'm not worried about that. I'm, you know, wrestling in the room every day, wrestling hard, wrestling long. Um, you know, just because I have a few matches that are short doesn't, you know, take away from my endurance or make me worry about my endurance or anything like that. Um, I think it was your freshman year. Talked about the pin record. Um, is that still on your mind, or how has that maybe changed over the last few years? Um, you know, I mean, I want to go out there and I want to pin everybody. Um, but 
I don't think I get as many matches as those guys used to get. So, pin record, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. It's a big number for less matches. Have you have you guys thought about that or talked about that? Just the the way the sport has changed. You know, you guys are getting fewer matches in the season. I guess I know you're a guy that wrestles year round. But yeah, I mean, I don't really think about it. I just next thing up and I wrestle it. You know, I'm always up to wrestle, wrestle more. You know, just I think it's just the way it works out. I don't know. I don't really worry about it. Is there something that the idea of you know I, the college season is is long and wrestling in the Big Ten can be hard. So not wrestling as many matches during the regular season like has you fresher for the postseason, for example. I don't really pay attention to it. <laughs> not even a little bit. No, wrestling. Whatever they tell me to wrestle, I'm wrestling. <laughs> Speaking of paying attention to it, do you look at national rankings at all? No, not really. No. So you don't know your third, for example. <laughs> I don't really care. Okay. I, yeah, I, I just didn't know how close someone as successful as you would look at something like that and say, hey, why am I in this spot? Or No, I mean, I know the guys I'm going to have to beat, and that's what really matters. It doesn't matter who's ranked where. You know, I know I'm going to have to beat Penn State. I know I'm going to have to beat Michigan. I know I'm going to have to beat Arizona State, Northwestern, anybody and everybody. It doesn't really matter the rankings. It nice to get to this point in the season then where you're going to have matchups like that seemingly every week? Yeah, I mean, I love wrestling, good competition. Um, you know, it's just for me another match. I'm not really like, oh, this guy, whatever. I'm going out there and wrestling how I wrestle. How did that mindset develop, like to not worry about who the next opponent is but to just go wrestle? Because, I mean, there are some guys who, you know, they'll circle certain dates on the calendar, right? Yeah, I mean, that next thing up, next next competition is the most important. So that's really what I'm worried about. You know, I know I'm doing the work in the room, and, and my preparation is always going to be the same. I'm always preparing for the best, you know, and preparing to be the best. So it doesn't really matter who it is. I'm getting ready the same. Yeah, I guess, like, is that a mindset you developed over time, or did you were you always thinking like that? Um, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> when I was younger, I probably, I mean, remember being like a little kid, like, oh, how many years have you wrestled? Just like any other little kid wrestler, you know? But um, I don't know. I just think that it doesn't really matter who I'm wrestling as long as I'm prepared to wrestle my best. Next up, Illinois. Is it any more special anymore for you? No, I mean, I know a lot of the guys on the Illinois team. Um, you know, I know the guy who's wrestling heavyweight now. He was their 97-pounder for a while. Warner's wrestled a few times. Um, I mean, I saw him a lot in, like, middle school tournaments. Um, but I don't think I've ever wrestled him since middle school. So, Do you pay attention to the number of guys who maybe wrestle 97 and are now kind of, like, bulking into heavyweight or growing into heavyweight? I mean, I don't really care. They're, you know, <laughs> but they, if they want to wrestle heavyweight, they can wrestle heavyweight. <laughs> Picture conversation. Because, <laughs> like, you know, the, the state of heavyweights, like, it's just, I feel like it's morphed and changed a lot over the last 10 years, you know, from, you know, the big push and pull guys to, you know, maybe maybe a little bit smaller, more athletic guys, kind of like, you know, like you and all the other guys in the Big Ten and whatnot. And I just, I wasn't sure if you were just cognizant of that. No, I mean, there's still, there's still guys like Schultz that are pushing 285 and, you know, are big. You know, I don't think it, I'm sure there's always been smaller guys. I think maybe the trend is towards a little bit leaner, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll keep working on it. <laughs>
We need a new host. Yeah, these Wi-Fi is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, questions for Spencer? Hopefully gaming questions, but you know. What's the game of choice right now? Yeah, we were playing Terraria. You know, it's like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a, a 2D Minecraft. What would you say, what would you describe it as? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like Minecraft. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like fighting monsters more than yeah, building. Yeah, huh? more, more boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's actually like levels of things you guys have to go through? Uh, there's just like, there, I mean, there's progression in the game. Fight a boss, and then new things spawn on the map that you mine and make gear, and fight the next boss, and kind of continue that cycle. Okay, I didn't play Minecraft, so I'm like trying. I didn't play Minecraft either, but I played Terraria. It's the only game I've ever played. Uh, We'll circle back to gaming here in a minute, but (laughs) you've had you've had some time to like you know reflect on competition last week. How do you feel? Any new thoughts since maybe we talked last week? No, I mean, I just think that uh, it's good because you're getting into that routine again, back into that swing of things. So I'm just ready to get back. In, and we're getting the Big Ten schedule, so here we go, right? So Your routine, I feel like since you've been here, has almost always been abnormal just because of the knees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what does it look like now maybe compared to years past? Uh, I don't think it's really changed even at all, really. I mean, it's always been uh, a guy do what's best for you, Um more so than anything else, and uh, one match at a time, and go from there. Really, it's always been that way. It hasn't changed at all since I've been here, so been pretty consistent. Spencer, uh, we had Tony up there earlier. What's your assessment of Tony? You probably get to see a few of his matches. Just you know, what's that like seeing a guy come out there and dominate like he has? Uh, he's like a lightweight at heavyweight. I saw he cut the dude in the finals like three times, and I was like, all right, I like that. I like seeing that. And then he pins him. Uh, I think he's going for – is he on his 10th pin? I don't even know. He's pinned so many guys, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time counting. Um, but I think it's the most pins I've seen on a guy on my team since I've been in college. I think every year we have like the team most falls award or whatever. I think the most I've seen was eight or nine. Uh, so uh, he's going to blow that out of the water. we got a lot more matches to go, so – how much does um, the upcoming Big Ten schedule, where there's going to be a lot of weekends where it's Friday, Sunday, how much is that going to help you as you continue to progress back to um, you know, pretty good game shape? Well, Friday, Sundays are good because um, with that day in between, uh, you don't get like a pound for the weight. So it's not technically the same as uh, like a tournament format, but it's you got a day in between kind of to rest, kind of keep your weight down, kind of, you know, get ready to go for that next guy, whoever it is, right? And then you're making weight again, competing at a high level again with that little day in between. You know, it could be a travel day. It could be if you're home, maybe not a travel day. It doesn't matter. So I think it's a good thing. They're definitely uh, different than just like a one dual meet kind of weekend, obviously, but they're they're good. How much is just that and, you know, the Big Ten schedule and the Big Ten competition going to – I mean, that that seems like it's probably going to help you progress even further, yeah. Yeah, like I said, more matches the rest of the better, so it's good. I'm glad that there's two in the one weekend. Pack them in. How do you feel now compared to maybe, um, you know, that first two out against Iowa State? Well, definitely uh, more ready to go. I mean, you know, obviously there were some circumstances behind that duel that made me obviously wrestle maybe a little earlier than I was uh, expecting to. But it uh, doesn't matter, you know. If you're not ready to go, who, no, no one else cares. That guy doesn't care. You know what I mean? So who cares? All, all, all it matters is you go out there and you wrestle your hardest for seven minutes and, and more if needed. So, 
Madden? Like yeah. football? Yeah. A video game? Yeah. Like the video game. They don't they don't like it. They don't think it's a video game? No, they, they said it's not a video game. Not in the oh, traditional yeah? sense. I, I don't know. I, I know that it's popular. That would be more my, um, if I was a video gamer, um, Madden would be something that I would be definitely interested in right. getting good at. We had, we had a fantasy Madden league when I was in college. It was awesome. We were just, somebody was just talking about, um, I think Bobby Telford was talking about how his high school just put in a, um, e-sport or not e-sport but yeah. um, e, yeah. Yeah. e everything like hundreds of thousands of dollars into their e whatever program Spencer said in preseason that's like what do you want to do like run an e-sports team <laughs> I mean obviously Russell but like that was a side hobby <laughs> um, notice Teske was back on the um, how's he feeling? He's coming along, and you know we'll see him Friday or we'll see him Sunday. Um, he's on track. We like where he's at. I don't get into specifics. If he wants to do that, um, he can. Um, it, it, it's frustrating, but um, he handled it well, and we're on. We're on to the next thing. How does a set back like that, you know, for a guy who's you know, trying to make hay at a new weight? Especially when he's coming on and doing well and, you know, and, um, you know, he emerged a little bit. So, you know, it's, it's that's what I mean by it's frustrating. Um, but we have, you know, Colin Shriver there and he's been awesome. And they're both listed and we'll see what happens. Um, we got to be ready. I know that. You know, Illinois come to town, they, they're 33 is, he's, uh, we got to be ready to go, whoever gets the nod. How do you like the way Colin's been, um, you know, kind of? Progressing, good. And, you know, remember he hadn't had a lot of mat time either. He was dinged up and, you know, elbow and whatever, you know, in the spring and a couple of other issues as well. So um, he's better every time out. So good progress there. Coach Tony Cassiope, 11-0, um, nine falls, five in a row, I think it is. What do you see out of him? Is, is this the top, the best he's been since he's been here? Um, I mean, here, here's the thing. It's all relative. I mean, we, we got some matches coming where, you know, we're, in, we're at Penn State on January 28th or 27th or whatever it is, and we don't look ahead. Um, but Tony Cassiope would be the first one to tell you that this is about the next time out. So when you look at, you know, those stats that you just uh, mentioned, that's all great, um, but really it's about what's in front of him. Um, all that helps. It builds momentum. It shows that you have the ability to, to terminate a match. Um, but we, we still, you know, get better every day, and um, he marches to the to the right beat as far as getting better every day uh that's what it that's what it's about so i didn't really answer your question i'm i'm not gonna go uh, here's the thing i'll give him credit um for what it's worth and then hey we got to move on because you know he was seventh in the country last year you know he was you know that that we, we 
he knows that he's better than that. And we just got to keep getting better. That's the theme. We got to stay healthy and we got to keep getting better. Where has Tony improved the most over the last few years? He is calmer. I think there's an understanding um, that his calm urgency is something that is going to have to win the day for him. And if you remember the All-Star meet, he stood in front of a very dangerous guy there. Um, and so he was maybe too calm. Um, that guy made some adjustments. And uh, we, that's why we got to get better. And that guy slowed us down, you know, with a certain tie, and he slowed us down with a crossbody ride. And um, we need to imagine those things as they're happening, you know, so it's ahead of time. So you're being able to adapt as that match goes on. And I don't think we did a very good job of adapting in that match. Uh, but it did light a fire under him. So he's definitely understanding what calm, patience, with combined with urgency, um, he's understanding that more and more. Since you've had a few days um, to reflect on the Salute tournament, what, what impressed you the most about the overall team performance? Uh, I mean, I think of Assad, I think of, you know, we, we have, first of all, we had some depth there. You know, we had um, Rachi and Glazier were both point scorers for us. You know, Rachi, he had a, a, a match in the semis where he was really one for one with a bunch of half shots. Um, so when he had his opportunity, he, he put the guy down. He got the, he got the takedown. Um, that's important. Um, Rachi could be more of a repeater and then open those matches up. That didn't have to be that close of a match. And then Glazier, you know, he lost, he lost a match that was frustrating for him. And then on his way back, the way he was talking to himself, um, I don't have time, you know, to, to you know, sulk. And, and I got to score. I got to score more points. And so the way that, you know, these guys are taking advantage of their opportunities um, and the way they're talking to themselves after some adversity – um, and those are those are our number two guys right now. Um, so, and then you look at Assad. That was you know that was a, a match where he had to get tough in the overtime, and he got nicked up a little earlier in that tournament. So, you know, I'm not sure that he would have even been on the mat a year or two ago. You know, for sure, two years ago he would have medically forfeited out. And um, I think as you get older and you you mature, you deal with things as they come a lot better and that's what he's done and that's what what we've been able to do um you know spencer we gave him short notice on it um it wasn't part of the plan uh maybe in his mind and when i say maybe i'm not being fair to him because he it wasn't um but terry and i had talked about it and um you know sometimes you know spencer's best when um, if there's a time between competitions where you don't necessarily, you know, tell him, you know, what the what the exact specific game plan is, and he responded very, very well. So um, all that put together, we we just got to keep getting better. Colin Shriver, I mean, he um, had some wins that were, you know, improvements over the last time he had wrestled those same guys, and I could go on and on probably if, if we go through the lineup Warner um, you know I could you know talk about him um, you know we got to get we got to get 
healthy at 74, whether it's Nelson Brands or, or Brandon Swafford. You know, both those guys in Swafford, good for him. He had two matches there, and the smart thing to do was to pull him out just because it's his first competition. And he's finally, you know, turning the corner that way as well. So a lot of things, a lot of things. We got to stay healthy, and we got to keep getting better. It seemed like Caleb looks a little bit more comfortable down at 49. Um, I, I think so. I think um, – I. Here's the thing with Caleb Rachi. I think he's a guy that is going to take advice um, and he's going to go where he has the best chance um, to be a point scorer when it counts, and that's at the end of the year in the Big Tens and the Nationals. Um, earlier in the year, that was at you know 157, and I think Seabreck has done a great job of establishing himself there. Um, and, you know, we're not looking back. You know, he's our guy at 57. And with the time and the formula, the, the you know, the composite body, whatever, descent plan, you call it, um, you know, Rachi could, could go to 49. It only made sense. And he, he didn't just go out there to play second fiddle to Max Mirren. Um, you know, he went out there to represent himself and give himself the best chance to be the guy at the end of the year. So I don't know if he's more comfortable there or not. He's definitely more a natural 149-pounder. I mean, he's definitely undersized for 57, but that doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter to me if we, if we need him at 57. Um, some of the younger guys that competed, Colby, Aiden Riggins. I know Drake's not a younger guy, but he's redshirted this year. What would you think of maybe some of their performances? Good. I mean, that's why it's great. First of all, you have a long break. You have finals week. You have a long break, and you get right back into it. And the second thing is, is everybody was competing. And, you know, you mentioned some names there that are, you know, important to the future of our program or maybe even maybe even the present. But, um, you know, our, our depth has always been important to us philosophy-wise in the program. And we, we talk to our depth – um, like that, and I mean, you know, the next guy up mentality, if you want to use a football term or whatever, but, you know, they literally are, you know, a heartbeat away from being the guy. And that's, that's why, why we compete, and that's why, you know, it's important to talk to, communicate to guys their importance and keep them on the cutting edge, and hopefully they can – become independent and think for themselves as to how much this means and that it's not rinky-dink or, or not, you know, it's, it's, it's important. Use a double negative. It's not unimportant. It's very important. It doesn't matter if you're third. It doesn't matter if you're third string. So, you know, I look at, I look at Swafford. I look at Nelson Brands. I look at that, – that's 174. And I look at, you know, I look at 97. I look at Glazier and I look at Warner. And, and we, we just got to have, you know, I look at Mir and I look at Rachi. You know, I look at Shriver and Ibarra and I look at Teske. And you, you just have to have those guys continuing to create an edge for themselves or keep an edge or hone an edge or whatever it is. So, and that's not unique. I think that's what every good program in any in any sport does. All right. Thank you, Coach. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. Illinois, 7 o'clock.
All right, final part of today's show, the Iowa State section. They've got maybe the most interesting matchup of the weekend um, team-wise. They wrestle Wyoming on Saturday. They changed that dual start time to 1 p.m., so if you're headed to Hilton on Saturday, make sure that you are aware of that. But then Sunday at 1 p.m., they wrestle Arizona State, which, um, hey, man, Iowa State's pretty battle-tested so far, right? They've already wrestled number one Penn State, number two Iowa. They beat number three Cornell. These are all rankings via Intermat. Iowa State is ranked fifth. And still coming up on their schedule, Arizona State this weekend, who's ranked 13th. And then they're going to wrestle number four Missouri, number six Pittsburgh, number 15 Oklahoma State, number 18 UNI, number 20 North Dakota State, plus a handful more. Um Pretty tough. Pretty tough. Um, not going to touch too much on the Wyoming duel, although, you know, same matchups that I thought were intriguing in the Wyoming UNI duel are the same matchups that are intriguing for Iowa State Wyoming, right? Jason Kreiser, Jacob Wright at 157. Um, and then presumably Julian Broderson at 174. He'll have Hayden Hastings. Um, I believe the Cyclones will probably roll pretty easily on Saturday. On Sunday, that's the duel that I think has the most interest, right? Iowa State, Arizona State, um, two teams that I think are very much in the thick of the trophy hunt. Um, you know, I think if the NCAA started tomorrow, you'd probably, you know, Penn State probably definitively number one, Iowa probably definitively number two, um, assuming all things hold and go equal. After that, man, it's such a cluster of teams that I like, I don't know who is ultimately going to emerge, right? Like you got Cornell, you've got Missouri, you've got Iowa State, um, Pittsburgh, Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, even Northwestern, Wisconsin, Arizona State's in that mix. Oklahoma State could always come through and do something crazy. Um, You know, those teams that are like three through, I would even go as far as to say 20, because I think, you know, like get all the way down, you know, if Northern Iowa has, you know, if they start off the same way they did at last year's national tournament, they're absolutely going to throw their hat in that ring. So yeah, I think the duel is interesting from that perspective. I think it's also interesting just from a matchup perspective, right? Um, 149, Panero Johnson's got Kyle Parco. Um, that's going to be fun, right? Another top five matchup at 149 pounds. Panero checks in at number three. Parco checks in at, well, I guess he checks in at number seven, but, you know, he's a guy that 149, man, like a lot of, lot of really good wrestlers at this weight. So, um, you know, Panero's already wrestled Yanni, Austin Gomez, Max Murin. Um, you know, now he's going to get Parco. Um you know, he's going to see Robuto later this season. So um, that one will be interesting. Um, you know, what else we got here? Marcus Coleman versus Anthony Montalvo at 84. Younger versus Kendall Norfleet at 97. Sam Schuyler, Colton Schultz at 285. Um, 165, David Carr versus Tony Negron. Um, you know, 33, going to be interesting to see what uh, Kevin Dresser does there. I know it's kind of, I, I think a lot of us kind of assume that Ramazan would probably be the guy, Ramazan out of Sayoff. Um, and then him and Zach Redding went down to the scuffle and Redding outplaced him. So what does that mean moving forward? I think a lot of that maybe might be dependent on Zach Redding just doing all the right off the mat things in order to maintain the lifestyle. I know that uh, holding 33 has been somewhat of a challenge for him, but when he's able to do it and he does it well, we see some pretty strong results. Um, so whoever goes, they're going to get Mikhail McGee, um, who has looked very, very good, two-time All-American. Um you know, he had a really, really good match with uh, Vito Arujao of Cornell on Thursday. That was Thursday, right? No, that was Wednesday. Um, getting my days mixed up. I need to get I need to get my ducks in order. It's early January, right? Um, 
You know, 125, it doesn't sound like it's going to be Kaisen Terakina yet. Corey Kabanban, I know, is uh, out with uh, torn ligaments in his foot, but Terakina's working his way back. He will not be wrestling on Sunday, so it'll either be Caleb Fusley or Connor Nopik, um, and they're either going to get Brandon Courtney, who's multi-time All-American NCAA finalist, or Richie Figs, who is equally as good. Um, so kind of curious to see what Arizona State does there. Um you know, you got two really, really good options at 25. Do you go with the vet or do you send the young guy out there? Um, so tough matchup either way for Iowa State at 125. It's going to be a fun duel, man. I think on paper, um, probably give Arizona State the nod at 25, 33, and 285. How many bonus points can they get at 25, for example? Can Colton Schultz um, bully Sam Schuyler a little bit? Can he score bonus points? Can Mikhail McGee score bonus points against whoever he? I think that, you know, if they're able to score bonus points there, this duel gets really, really interesting because 49. Um, probably a toss up unless you're Iowa state or Arizona state, I guess, but excited to see Pinero and Parco 57, I think is another toss up for, um, you know, just to, you know, which Jason Kreiser are we going to get? Right. Like that's, that's, that's a question you can ask going into every duel. Um, but you know, 74, same thing. Julian Broderson, um, could Russell, um, I don't have his name up here, but he could Russell Josh Nummer or he could Russell Kyle Valencia, um, which Julian Broderson shows up. I think you give him the slight edge just because of experience, but we'll see what happens, right? And then I think, you know, Iowa State's probably favored with David at 65, Marcus at 84, Younger at 97. Um, interesting duel, right? Like there's I, there's a, some definitive swing matches. I think both teams have bonus point potential. Um, how does it all unfold? I think there's a world where Arizona State can walk in and win six matches, um, you know, and I think there's also a world where Iowa State can win seven and blow them out of Hilton. Um, you know, which, which one do we get? Probably somewhere in the middle because it's wrestling and that's what happens. Um, also important to note, it looks like Casey Swiderski is going to be back for the Cyclones. Um, he'll have Jesse Vasquez. So um, another important matchup there. I like Casey in that matchup. So you could probably, you know, on paper, Iowa State's probably favored in four. Arizona State's favored in three. So how does the other three end up, right? Like that's, I think that's how the duel get decided in addition to, you know, who scores bonus points. I like Arizona State's bonus point potential at some of those lighter weights. Um, also like, um, you know, David's bonus point potential at 65 and potentially Casey Swiderski there at 41, assuming he's fully healthy. So yeah, interesting duel. I'll be in the building on Sunday for that one. Um, we'll have, uh, you know, Iowa Purdue pulled up on a stream and then I'll probably stick around in Ames that afternoon to watch Northern Iowa Mizzou. A lot of wrestling this weekend, man. A lot of wrestling. I'm excited back into the full throws of the season. Um, so yeah, that's kind of some rambly thoughts there on Iowa state. Um, and we'll end the show with, with some more interviews. Got to uh, catch up with coach dresser, David Carr and, and Pinero Johnson, um, earlier this week. So I know we're already running long. I appreciate y'all hanging with me. If you've made it this far, we will end today's show with that. And then I'll come back to wrap it up. So we'll start with dresser. Then we'll go David and then Pinero, and I'll catch you guys on the other side. Well, I think the, you know, the opening statement right now is our guys are just really excited to be at home. We only got a chance to wrestle Hilton once and at the end of the 2022 beginning of our season. Um, so getting a chance to be home uh, at 1 o'clock both days on Saturday and Sunday is exciting. And, um, uh, you know, we had a few guys that just got back from the Southern Scuffle. So we got a few guys were were resting in a quick turnaround. But then we got the majority of them here that had a pretty good long training period. And um, I know we're tired of training and ready to wrestle. So I'll open it up to you all. What do you feel like you've accomplished 
via the scuffle. Obviously, a lot of your quote-unquote top guys didn't go for a variety of reasons, but you had a lot of guys who were really competing and scrapping and you know, got on the podium. I think the guys that we sent, we were pretty intentional in just trying to get a lot of matches. So, you know, guys that we know that are, you know, right now, assuming that we can stay healthy, we got a, a competition at, at 133 between uh, Zach Redding and Ramazan at a off and uh, both those guys got a lot of matches. Um, you know, Redding might be a notch ahead right now, but not many notches. It's still kind of that weight class is probably the one weight class that's up for grabs. Um, you know, Julian ended up placing. Um, felt like he, you know, maybe could have had a, a, a better last day, but the fact that he got a lot of matches is good. And obviously, 174, he's our guy. At 57, you know, I think we keep getting better. Um, uh, probably not what we exactly wanted, but in terms of the matches, it was what we wanted. So those are the three weights that kind of stick out to me if I'm missing any. Uh, I think those are the three weights that we were really sending guys that we know that are going to contribute to us, uh, you know, right away this weekend again. Talk about Panero, just his emergence this season kind of as a went from unranked to now he's, I think, three consensus across the board. Well, Panero um, – uh, you know, we always knew that he had the ability. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of people know his story. He came last year as a gray shirt and was in the room uh, quite a bit off and on. Um, uh, had, the, had the luxury of being a gray shirt, which means basically you can come and go as you please. Um, and, you know, he learned a lot. He, he took, took, took some beatings, as we say in the wrestling world, but um, there was never a lack of confidence. And so it's funny, I really saw him ramp up um, in late October, like, wow, this guy's excited for the season. And, and I really noticed him um, just doing the right things away from the room. And, and I could see just by the way he came in, what he was weighing, that he was really serious about it. And so now we see a guy that's pretty competitive. I mean, I think he's ranked third in the nation, and, you know, he thinks he should be ranked first in the nation. And that's the beauty of Panero. He, he thinks he should be first all the time. You say he took some beatings. I assume – Last year, you guys like Ian Parker, Jarrett Dagan, around his weight. Did those beatings come from those guys? or? Yeah, I mean, he got, you know, he, he's still a guy that needs to figure out the practice room a little bit. You know, there's some guys out there that are just gamers that when you turn the lights on, they wrestle at, at a, you know, a whole other level. That's Panero. Um, so some days in practice, uh, he's a little so-so. Um, he's a lot more consistent than he was even in, you know, even in uh, September. I mean, that's how quickly he's turned around his practice game. And I've been in his ear a lot, and I'm saying you can't just, you know, you can't, you can't fake it in here and then expect to go across the street to Hilton and kick everybody's butt. You know, we got to see some signs in here. we got to see you being able to survive in here and, and getting through the condition. He had a really hard time doing that when he first got here. So uh, we see a guy that's uh, pretty motivated right now. And then last week you gave him a lot of injury updates. How are guys like Casey Swiderski – Kyson Tarakina and uh, Sam Schuyler doing? Well, it's Wednesday, and uh, tomorrow's our day off. Um, and, and, and Friday's just kind of our, our easy day to get ready for Saturday and Sunday because we have two matches in a row. And uh, if we can get through today, um, Casey's doing great. Uh, Panero's doing great. Uh, Sam Schuyler's doing great. Um, we kind of rested uh, Coleman and Younger and, um, and Carr, and those guys are doing great. So uh, we got, the, we, we got you know, mission accomplished so far. We haven't had a lot of luck with injuries, so I'm not going to start bragging. <laughs> How's Kyson doing? Kyson's coming along. He wrestled a couple days this week. Um, he's not going to go this weekend. Um, he's a maybe for Utah Valley. We'll just see how he progresses. But he wrestled a couple days this week, and, and uh, he's got a shoulder brace on, but seems to be doing good. Um, and so we'll just kind of see how he handles the training. We let him go. Um, 
I think his family went to Las Vegas instead of Hawaii, but I think he enjoyed like every buffet that they offer in in, uh, in Las Vegas. And who else? What else he did at night? We're not quite sure, but he came back really happy and really chubby. So we're uh, we're working on that right now. But he was really happy. So when you can't wrestle for a while, you got to take advantage of it, right? Kaisen's good at that. <laughs> Uh, Arizona State um, obviously is the marquee matchup of this weekend. What is you've had a lot of these matchups with Penn State, Iowa, just a lot of really good dual meets this year. Wisconsin, throw them in there. Cornell, Cornell, absolutely yeah. Cornell. Yeah. Um, the list keeps going on. How much does this prepare you for March? I think it. I think it's a great schedule. I mean. Uh, you know, we ha- we haven't even talked about Missouri and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and you and I, which are all, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, Missouri, and you and I, they're all in the top 12 right now or 15. So um, we got a schedule set up for us to, to really, uh, I think, really succeed at the end of the year. Um, you know, a lot of tough opponents. And so, I mean, look what Panero's wrestled already. He's wrestled the number one, the number two. This guy's like the number six. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of really good touches. So I like it. I, I, like, a, I like a tough schedule. And you know, they can't say the Cyclones are ducking anybody, that's for sure. When you got here, your team probably wasn't equipped to face a schedule like this. Now they are. What's been, I guess, maybe that moment you realized, we're here, we're, we're ready to compete? I think we saw signs of that last year. You know, we had a really good dual meet season. We were 15-1. and one. Um, We didn't probably wrestle the strength of schedule that we do this year. You know, I know we didn't get the Cornell and we didn't get the Penn State and uh, I don't think we got the Arizona State. I think we got COVIDed out just that one weekend, if I'm not mistaken. But so we didn't get the same, you know, strength of schedule that we got this year. Um, so I started seeing some signs of that last year. You know, we saw some signs, and then you bring in a superstar freshman class, and you know, and you kind of throw them to the wolves, and, and some of them are responding. And there's still another step to go. How do you foresee the program reaching that point? Well, that's the step we want to take, and you know, you talk about it a lot, and you prepare for it a lot, and and you strive for it. And um, uh, you know, I know we got a lot of guys that are really competitive. You know, we talk about guys wrestling, you know, in their body of work all season long to get the number one and the number two seeds, not only at the Big 12 championships but at the NCAA championships. So, uh, your body of work is what gets you the number one or two or three seed at the NCAA tournament. So why not, why not strive for that? So uh, we talk about that a lot. What's your message to Sam Schuyler facing Colton Schultz, who has been historically, you know, he's proven himself to be one of the best guys, but he's taken a few losses this year. No, Colton Schultz is, you know, I think he was ranked number one a couple weeks ago, and he's very capable of being a number one guy at the end of the year. So, uh, you know, you don't one, five, four, whatever the heck. Uh, uh, he's going to be a, a really tough opponent for Sam. But Sam's a different guy this year. Uh, you know, the old Sam got here last year, might have taken a little bit of a backseat to him. He's not that guy anymore. So he, he's really excited about that. What changed for Sam? I think just being in, being around a lot of guys and uh, that that think uh, at a high level. Um, you know, he went to a smaller school, and he probably didn't have a lot of guys that were were that competitive. Uh, and not taking anything away from him, but you know, when you, you get a, when you get an environment of a bunch of guys that are super competitive in everything they do, um, you know, running, weightlifting, playing games, whatever, um, I think it rubs off on you. And uh, I think he sees he belongs at that at that level now. I guess I'll just ask one more about Panera. He didn't win a state championship in No, he never even got to state finals, but that tells you how tough Pennsylvania is too. Yeah, so just how crazy, I guess, on top of it being Pennsylvania, how crazy is it for a guy that doesn't win a state title to make this fast of a jump? It's unusual, but probably can only happen uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. This might make the Iowa – 
uh, high school folks mad, but there's no comparison to, to the, the level of high school wrestling in Pennsylvania uh, anywhere else in the United States. And so uh, you're going to see all kinds of guys that got third and fourth place in the Pennsylvania State Championship wrestling for national titles. That's just um, that's not that uncommon. It's happening already. Has Pinero surprised you in the way he's shown up in his preparation and his growth, or was this something you saw of him? He surprised me. He has. I mean, I knew the potential was there, but uh, there's a there's a lot of potential sitting in that room that that uh, aren't as committed in our in, in every room, not just our room. And there's a lot of talented guys across the nation. Um, so when you get a guy that really buys in at all levels and then has that just kind of that God-given gift of, of uh, confidence. Um, and that's the X factor with, with Panero is he's got that. And I think you're going to talk to him today. You know, if you interviewed him for 45 minutes, and he'd stay here for 45 minutes and tell you how great he is, 44 of them. <laughs> so, what would the other minute be? Um, probably something I did to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how I, uh, you know, did something to him. And then we do talk a lot about, you know, Panero, Swiderski, but guys like Younger, you know, Carr, Coleman, um, and even Sam, regardless of his injuries, you know, how have you seen them really step up and how do you see them continuing to improve and move forward? The exciting thing about this team is there's a lot of guys that are, you know, we got what, five guys ranked in the top five right now. That, now that, that's, just a, that's just a ranking so it doesn't mean anything, but it is a way to keep score right now. And I think it's important to keep score um, just because if you're going to compete, you got to keep score. And uh, so any of those guys that you mentioned um, have the capability of, of, of really having a nice finish to the year. Um, we got a lot of guys that are superstars right now, I think, um, and um, could really make make March fun. What has this season's? Are you good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What has this season's schedule done for you guys in terms of confidence and in terms of getting you prepared for March? Because I mean, you've wrestled darn near every top ranked team. <laughs> yeah, I've wrestled every team there is that's one of the best so I mean we even got Arizona State number three so we're hitting every ranked team so uh, it's been really good especially for our young guys to get that confidence to wrestle a team like Penn State to wrestle Iowa to wrestle Arizona State to wrestle all these top teams Cornell I mean it's just uh, it's one of the toughest schedules in the country dresser of course the mastermind does it on purpose so we can just get those reps in before nationals how important is it to kind of show what you've got to the home crowd for just the second and third times this season, you know, because you've been doing all this stuff away from home and now they get to, I guess, get excited with you. Yeah, this is exciting, especially come back to Ames and wrestle two good teams. Um, I love wrestling Hilton. It's my favorite place to wrestle. Um, I'm excited for our young guys to experience the excitement of the crowd. And yeah, it's just nice being home. So. What kind of environment are you expecting for Arizona State? Because, like, this, like we've said, this is the first time this year that Iowa State's getting a top-ranked team in Hilton. Um, I'm, I'm expecting a good turnout. I'm expecting uh, a lot of excited fans. A lot of good uh, wrestling will be happening, and so I think it's going to be really great. And we're blessed to have such a quality team and uh, and having that Hilton. Yeah. Where do you feel like you're at in terms of your? training your mindset at this point in the season obviously there's one important month uh but where are you at right now great i've been working with my dad uh doing some mental reps uh working with coach dresser uh doing some mental reps he's just coaching me up and uh yeah i'm in good hands i got some of the best coaches in the country and as far as mentally and technically i feel like i'm at my best and i'm excited to show that you know every time i get to compete what is a 
mental rep look like? Is that you envisioning a guy, resting a guy like O'Toole, or what does a mental rep look like for you? Uh, it's different each week. You know, we'll, we'll come in and just talk about things that we need to think about. But yeah, I mean, uh, you got to get a competitor, and that always pumps me up. I'm I'm excited for my competitors. Having that tough weight, I'm thankful for guys like O'Toole, Shane Griffith, everybody at the weight because that's what drives me to work out really hard. They push me to do the extra workouts to come in and work hard. And so that I would say that's kind of like a mental rep. I'm thinking about, hey, I gotta train for this guy. I gotta train hard. And also just having that gratitude, reminding that everything, I'm just grateful to be healthy, grateful to be on a good team. You know, I just think about gratitude and that kind of takes away the pressure. Rankings come out and, you know, as a team, you guys have four in the top five. As someone who's really been a leader in the room, how have you seen the growth of this team? And, you know, what does it mean to you guys to see that, you know, there are four of you in the top five? I think that's awesome. And I think we can have five in the top five. Casey is a beast. He is a savage. He's, I'm excited for you guys to watch him continue to grow and develop through the season. He's going to be another guy who's going to be ranked high. Um, for me, I'm a big team guy. I like to set team goals. I like to see lots of my teammates uh, wrestling well. And so to see that we have so many guys ranked in the top five is just a blessing. And I'm so excited to see it. And I think it's going to continue to grow more and more. And guys are going to start to get in that top five spot. As a team guy, what's your ultimate team goal for this year? Ultimate team goal, uh, I won a Big 12 championship. Um, I've won one um, on my own, but I want to be able to be with the team, have the hats, have the trophy. That's like something I visualize. So to have a team Big 12 championship, and then at the NCAA tournament to walk away with a uh, trophy, with a uh, whatever place it may be, an NCAA trophy, first, second, third, fourth. That's a big goal of mine, and I think we can do it with the guys we have this year. And so I think that'd be pretty awesome, be pretty special for Iowa State. I don't think I've been around to ask you this, but what was it like a while back to wrestle against a uh, son of one of your dad's biggest rivals? Uh, Quincy Monday. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. That was special. Uh, it looks like he's going 65 as well, so that just makes the weight even more fun. I think it's it adds a, a bit of legacy to the weight. And so it's, I mean, I'm always excited to wrestle, and he's a great competitor as well. Your dad's stories about his encounters with, Kenny, right? Yeah, Kenny. Yeah, are pretty legendary. I remember him telling me. Does he have he told you all those and more? Just oh, about yeah. getting in the sauna and you know. Uh, I grew running. up, grew up hearing about Kenny Monday versus Nate Carr battles. Those were <laughs> that's those are my childhood experiences. Some other people might talk about other things, but my dad especially talked about the battles he had with Mr. Monday, and uh, it was pretty cool. It's something that I was like, wow, that's. That's. I hope I have a rival like that. I hope I have someone I can get up and train hard for. Someone that will drive me to be my best. Because your competitors raise you to a different ladder, uh, level. So when you have someone like that, it brings the best out of you. So that's why I'm really excited about everyone at 65. It's bringing the best out of me. Talk about teammates doing well. One of them that shined this year's Panero. What have you seen from him and his emergence? Panero Johnson. He's super funny. And he works really hard, and he believes in himself. And uh, he's someone that uh, I love training with. He's so positive. He's actually my roommate when we travel. And so it's been super inspiring to see how well he's able to handle the pressure as a young guy. And it nothing shakes that dude. Nothing really rattles him. And that's super cool to see. 
And a lot of the other freshmen see that too, and then they just kind of keep that confidence going, keep it rolling. So I'm looking forward to him to go out there and dominate and continue to separate himself, and he's going to be a guy who's going to be scary in March for sure. As an example of him not getting rattled, the Yanni match, him losing 3-1 to in the close match, and then coming back and beating Shane Van Ness the next day. He knows what he can do, and I think that Yanni match just proves that, hey, he didn't. He wanted to win that match bad, and even though he didn't win, he's like, I still got a job to do. And wrestled a great wrestler in Shane Van Ness and went out there and did his job, won the match, and continues to grow, continues to train hard. I mean, I see if I come here at any time, Panero's here. Like, there's no time of the day that a dude's not here training, working hard, and talking about winning a national title. And when you got a freshman like that, that's – I mean, that, that's how you build a program. That's how you um, get trophies. That's how you win Big 12 titles. When you got uh, a guy like that who's working hard constantly, I love that. How much of an impact have you seen in the room to have a guy as young as Panero making that type of you know, growth and notching those wins? It rubs off on everybody. Um, when I first came here, there's no one, there's not like anyone who had that type of confidence or swagger or even believed about winning. And now, everyone believes everyone believes they can win everyone's training extremely hard and i think it's just going out there having fun scoring points and that's what this team believes and that's really cool to see young guys believe in it the old guys like marcus coleman believe in it and preaching it to the young guys and that's why you see a team that's doing well and we still have lots of growth a lot of stuff to keep working on but that's the mentality they say those nice things to your face, too? Or is it only when the No, I don't say it to my face. All right, questions for Panero Johnson. Panero, how have you made this emergence so early in the season? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm just working hard. I'm doing what my coach is asking me to do. And I really try to pay attention to the little things and uh, just – trying to put myself in the best possible position to win every single time and separate myself every single time. So uh, just just working hard and believing in myself, you know. David and Coach Dresser both talked so much about your work ethic. Is that something that has always been that way, or is it kind of taken a step up since you got to Ames? Um, I feel like it kind of took a step up in uh, the fact that I want to I want to try harder at everything instead of just I don't want to lose when we start going live, you know. Like right there, I will always be competitive and just like many other good wrestlers. But I feel like I feel like at first a lot of people had confused with work ethic. Like to me, work ethic is just giving maximum effort and doing all you can do. You know what I mean? So even if I don't win, sometimes. I know I'm gonna give maximum effort. I know I'm gonna be on the floor and dresser telling me, Panero, stand up. So, so uh, I'm just trying to, I just try to give maximum effort every single time, you know, and try to push myself a little bit more every single time. How much did last year being on your own, you know, probably you gotta wash your dishes, do your laundry, all that stuff in your apartment, help you build that consistent work ethic, you know, across the board like you talk about? Um, mainly because I feel like I, I didn't have nothing to do but get better at wrestling. So <laughs> I just trained when I felt like, hey, I'm bored. Let's, let's do something. So, yeah, and then once the school year started, a lot of people told me it was going to be harder. And for me, it actually got a lot easier because then it was like, all right, every day if we got practice or not, I'm going to come in the morning. 
and I'm gonna come in the afternoon every single day. Like if it was no practice, if it was one, I'll go in the morning, and then if it's no practice afternoon, I'll go in the afternoon still. So it was just like I had a very set schedule, and even if I ever didn't feel like it, I knew like all right, this is the plan. This is how my day going to go. So I don't know. I just feel like it, it helped me and. That last year, it showed me like how much more I can do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, what was the biggest reason you gray shirted? Dresser told me to. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I said okay. So let's let's say you don't, and you just come in last year like you're a normal freshman. Do you think you'd be where you are right now? Uh, I think the gray shirt helped me, but I still think I'll be right here. I would have been just probably a red shirt. I would have challenged for the spot. I think I. Jared Dagan is super good, and he put me on my back a thousand times at practice, but I think I would have won still. So, <laughs> so but, uh, yeah, so I just think uh, it was a development year. I'm very thankful for that year, and uh, we, we will never know what would have happened if I didn't, Grisher, and I'm fine with that because I'm fine with what's happening now, and I feel like the future is going to be very bright for me. So uh, if I would have redshirted last year, it would have – not been that much different other than I can't red shirt now so yeah how much did Jarrett Dagan and Ian Parker help you and show you what it's like to be and wrestle against collegiate wrestlers uh Jared Dagan showed me that don't don't underestimate anybody and you always in a match and uh he showed me just toughness from thinking like he the, he he's the guy like I don't care how much you did or what you think you deserve I'm I'm here and I'm the guy you know and then Ann Parker showed me that like the last the last day we had practice with Ann Parker it was like in the summer so he's leaving and I told him I said once I'm working as hard as you I'm gonna be a national champ I'm thankful to for me to even see like what he do this dude goes hard as possible every single time he literally kills himself and I think like I'm just thankful to even have have seen Parker Parker is amazing and He's a good dude on and off the mat, but sometimes I think he go a little too hard on the mat. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go that's ahead. it. That's it. You've clearly got so much confidence. How does that help you when you're on the mat against top-ranked guys? Uh, how does it help me? I think because I just think, like, uh, this dude can't take me down. I can take this dude down, and I'm, I'm the better wrestler. I just think that, and I feel like, if you really believe it, it's gonna, it's gonna. You can speak things into existence sometimes, and I feel like a, a lot of times people say things that they don't believe. But the difference between me is I, I truly believe the, the, these things I'm saying, and even when I'm the underdog by fourteen and a half points, uh, I, uh, I still think I'm the better guy, and I still don't think everybody's seen what I really can do yet. So I think it's a lot more, and I think. I got a lot more to go. Like I feel like a lot of people in the country think I'm a a good defensive wrestler, and my whole career, my offense was way better than my defense. So like that just started, and it's just like I feel like I got a lot more than people even think now. Still, thinking back to your match with Yanni, how did you, you know, walking out of it? What were you thinking, and how do you move forward from that loss? You know, to think about when you might see him again in March. I was thinking, uh. I got to film and it was it was all right. I was main thing I was thinking about was I missed opportunities because I feel like I had 
a couple opportunities to really really capitalize and put myself in a better position to win that match, you know. And but after the match, I, the good things I took, I said like, these guys, nobody I wrestled yet could wrap around my leg, get a shot around my leg yet. So like, I gotta figure out a way to get cleaner shots. Like I got to his legs a couple times, but that wasn't enough. I gotta finish a takedown. I do. That's where you get at is stopping someone from finishing. And I just felt like I know I could do it. And I feel like if I if I put myself in the same positions I did last time, this time it'll be a lot different. I think I'll finish some of those times. And yeah, I feel like I learned a lot from that match. We got time for one more question. I guess going back to high school, you didn't make the state final in Pennsylvania. Obviously, that speaks testaments to the level of wrestling there. But how has that, I guess, motivated you to get to where you are now? Uh, I don't know. I just every in high school every year I always thought All right, I'm gonna win a state title next year. Like when I coming in, I thought I was gonna be a four-time state champ, and then after I didn't win my freshman year, I thought I was gonna be a three-time state champ, and after that, you know, so on. And uh, so after I was done and I didn't win no state titles, yeah, I was upset about it for a day and even still now I still think like how did I win no state titles but uh I just think uh right after I was done the first thing I started th thinking about was I'm gonna win four national titles and everybody gonna be like oh, that's a cool story he didn't win no state titles and won four national titles so <laughs> that was the first thing I started to think about and dresser says a lot uh mentality like strong mindset is the ability to focus on the next event and I think I always had that so, like, if I lost, I always thought this guy won't beat me again, ever again, in his whole life, in my whole life. So, I always, and the state tournament was always tough. Like, I've never been upset in the state tournament. I never lost to somebody I wasn't supposed to. It was just, I was good. Them guys were good at the same time, and they out-wrestled me that day. So, I wasn't, it never hurt me. It never made me think I wasn't as good as I thought I was before or after the match. So, I don't know. I'm just thankful for it. And I wouldn't want anything to be different now because if one thing was different then, maybe I'd be not at Iowa State or not where I am now today, you know? See, this is why this is why I type out my scripts because if I don't and I just ramble, here we are 90 minutes literally all by myself on today's podcast. Um, but hey, if you made it this far, I really appreciate you tuning in. That's all we've got today. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, got a couple of show plans. Um, we'll see if they actually come true, right? Um, just, you know, trying to, I'm on, try and get back on that Monday freestyle type vibe. Cause I think that's, that's a really good kind of mind dump to help me get, get the week started. So we'll see what we can do there. Um, you know, maybe we'll link up with uh, the Cyclone Fanatic folks after the duel on Sunday. Um, kind of recap what we saw and what we have seen from the Cyclone so far. Um, you know, and then, and then, looking ahead a little bit, Iowa's next duel against Northwestern. That's actually going to be on ESPNU. And uh, Sean Kenny and Rock Harrison are going to be on the call. So I know The Rock and I have been trading texts um, just for various stories and, and keeping each other up to date on what we've been seeing wrestling-wise. So I know he's going to be in town. Going to try and link up with him, um, see if we can do a podcast to, to talk with The Rock um, about the Hawkeyes, the Cyclones, the Panthers. And um, obviously we'll talk um, at length about the Iowa-Northwestern duel coming up. So those are the rough plans. 
Uh, can't guarantee anything because we never know how these weeks are going to go. Um, but that's hopefully what I'm going to try and get back um, for next week for the pod. Obviously, we're going to have various stories and whatnot. Um, got a few features in the hopper that I'm going to try and crank out here this month. Um, and then especially into February with some high school stuff coming up. Um, season full throttle back after the holiday season. I hope you guys are ready. I know I am. Um, but yeah, until we return next week, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to the Des Moines Register. I don't want you guys to miss any of our wrestling coverage the rest of the way. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.